Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. But I'm going to switch the conversation around now to something entirely different. Our guest sitting with us in the studio was Robin McKellen. And Robin has won many different awards for her advocacy on behalf of the lesbian, gay, transgender, queer. I'm sure I'm forgetting some other initials, but when I try and say all the initials, I always trip over my own tongue. But the community of people on what I would call a fluid or a different sexuality than heterosexuality. And she has won many awards, including the 2019 GLAAD Award for Leadership, the 2016 Central Connecticut State University's Women of Influence Award, Human Rights Campaigns Award, Public Engagements Award. She has a master's in social work. And she's the founder and previous director, executive director of something called True Colors, Inc., which I imagine she'll tell us about it, is an organization devoted to giving people a safe space in order to discuss what's going on with their own sexuality. Robin presented to me as a probate judge to all of us who attended a seminar about identity and changing language and understanding how to speak with and to respect uh, people of different orientations that come into our courtroom. But frankly, I thought the conversation had a much wider applicability, and that's why I invited Robin here. Robin, welcome to the Lisa Wexer Show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. So, Robin, what has what is your life's work about? <laughs> so... I'll give you the short version. Okay. Um, I think, like many people, I knew that I was attracted to to the same gender really early. But I grew up, you know, I'm 68 years old, so I grew up in a time when very you different. Know, exactly. And so, where did you grow up? I grew way? up in. Um, I was born in Waterbury. Oh, and, um, you're a Connecticut and, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so. My adolescence was horrific, <laughs> and um, and and so I didn't want 
So well, actually, it's, it's, so it's a story. I'll just tell you the story. So my adolescence was horrific. Um, I didn't really come out until I was in my 30s. And once I came out, I decided that, I, you know, I was working for the phone company at the time. <laughs> and, um, and I decided that I needed to do something that felt more personally meaningful. So I started taking courses at the University of Connecticut School of Social Work. And in the first year of my fieldwork practice, um, we did a needs and assessment survey of the LGBTQ community, and we found it doesn't that trip off the tongue though. Right. <laughs> well, I usually say lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, two spirits, same gender, loving, pansexual, and I go like that. But LGBT, or LGBT. LGBT. Right. Yeah, I always have to slow down on it. It's right. hard right. for me. It doesn't trip right. over my tongue. Right. But I know what I mean. Right. Yeah. And some people say gender and sexual minorities. Interesting. Which is an easier. Interesting. You know, and, I haven't heard that before. And sort of more of inclusive. Okay. But um, so okay. anyway, we did this. Would they be offended by that, though? No. To be called a minority in terms of gender and sexuality? No, because we are. Okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, one never knows nowadays. <laughs> right. right. And, you know, okay. the thing about making a mistake is that if you make a mistake, you own it, apologize, and move on. Agreed. It, right? Um, so... I discovered, we discovered in doing the needs analysis survey that there were like a hundred groups for LGBT adults, right? No matter how you slice or dice a community, yeah, there was a group for that. So like okay. if you were into antique cars, there was a group for that. If you were Jewish, there was a group for that. If you were a Christian, there was a group for that. Um, but there were only two groups for youth in the whole state. And so I proposed to the university that I would do a conference on LGBT youth. Um, for my fieldwork project for the second year. It was supposed to be a one-time thing, but it was so transformative for me and the young people that participated in that that we decided to keep going. And so the agency sort of emerged out of that. We started as an all-volunteer organization. We finally um, you know, got some, this was in 1994. You're talking about True Colors. Right, True Colors. Um, you know, we got some funding, and, and so we started building, and then we, um, the conference, when it ended, the last conference was in 2019, so it was before, you know, COVID, we had to cancel, and there were over 3,500 people there. Um, now, were the people there all people that identified? No. More than half the youth that came identify as straight allies. Straight and, allies. Yeah. And, okay. And I think that we worked really hard to create an environment where people of all orientations and genders were welcome and valued. And what did you do there? Like, what was it I about? was executive director, so we did the conference. Um, we created a mentoring program in 2005 that matched LGBT youth who had been thrown away by their families and were in out-of-home care, like foster care. Were they thrown away because of their sexual yes. orientation? Yes. Thrown almost, away? Almost I hate exclusive. that word, thrown away. Well, they were rejected from their families of origin on the basis of their orientation or gender identity and expression. So we created a mentoring program. We started doing youth programming and, and a variety of other things. And, um, and then I retired in 2020. The agency was able to sort of limp along for another year, and then they closed. But most of the work that we were, 
we were doing has been taken up by other people. You know, in 94, we were the only ones. Got it. Now we're not anymore. Okay. And so, um, you and, know. But Robin McCallan, you're teaching and you're lecturing all the time. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just uh, in fact, tomorrow morning I'm doing the White House again. <laughs> what do you mean? You're going to be in D.C.? No, the it's, White a, House? it's a webinar uh, oh. for White House staff. Really? On gender. Yeah, it's the second of two. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, yeah, that's very cool. I was very excited so about that. So you're now officially a national expert on right. this, huh? And I have done, I've written curriculum for the National Association of Social Work, for the Child Welfare League of America, for um, the National Mentoring Consortium. So I've written curriculum. I've done training. So that's a loaded word, curriculum. We're chatting with Robin oh, yeah, McCallum, yeah. Mm-hmm. 203-333-9422. Uh, if you want to be part of the conversation or ask Robin a question. So Robin... Um, what should the curriculum be? The curriculum should be, here's what I think. The curriculum should be, number one, to tell the truth about our history. Number two, to give young people the skills and the tools that they need to live in a diverse society. That I come from the perspective of I'm not out here to change anybody's personal views or values. I'm out here to have people understand that the skills that they need to thrive mean that they have to be able to get along with people who are not like them. And that... And who are you talking to when you're saying that? You're talking to straight and gay people? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I'm really talking across the spectrum that we have to create a society where opposing viewpoints can live gently in the same space, Um, but also a place where people recognize other people's right to self-determination, right? So if I tell you that this is who I am, your only job is to say thank you for sharing, right, and accept and respect. That's it, that, that, that other people – I don't get to say have a say about what you think or believe, and you don't get to have a say about what I think or believe, and that um, – I think the reason why we need to do these kinds of curriculum in schools is we've got to give our kids the ability to be better than us grown-ups. Right? That, you know, the grown-ups are so polarized. I saw a video not too long ago that was done by a, um, an organization that looked at conversations between people. They actually were looking at the, the, uh, the um, Congress and they started in 1955, and it went from 1955 to 2019. And they were looking at the, at the amount of conversation that happened between the, the groups. And in 55, there was lots and lots and lots of conversation. In 2019, there was like none. Mm. We're very <laughs> siloed with our devices exactly. too, Robin. Right, exactly. Whatever you watch, that you get more of. That's right. right? And so you never get to that hear. That algorithm keeps feeding you that exactly. stuff they think you want to hear. Exactly. And reinforcing your pre-existing opinions about whatever exactly. it is. Exactly, exactly. And so, um, and the sad part about all of that is that facts don't matter. <laughs> Yeah, but they really do to me. I know, and but, they but when, really when people do. get siloed, they don't they don't hear what I, I read a thing on Medium this morning about a guy who was talking to his he has one perspective, his brother has a very different perspective, and they made no headway with each other, even though they love each other, right? And um, they need a mediator. Yeah. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> Yeah. And so um, I teach human sexuality, intergroup relations, and LGBTQ social work um, at Central Connecticut State University. And 
one of the things that I talk about over and over in this is that it's not about – it is about challenging your values a little bit, especially if you're a social worker. That's part of your job. you got to do that. But it's also about getting comfortable with learning about how you think and feel, understanding what's your stuff so it doesn't get in the way of other people's stuff, and then making decisions based on your thoughts and feelings. You know, there's so many um, pressures on people that, you know, cultural pressures, uh, religious pressures, um, um, political pressures to think and believe a certain way that I want people to challenge all of that and figure out what way they think. (laughs) This was breaking news today that uh, this is a brand new CDC report. That teenage girls across the United States are, quote, engulfed in a growing wave of violence and trauma. They are twice as likely to attempt suicide as boys with an alarming rise in rape and sexual violence. Nearly a third of all high school girls, a third, reported they'd seriously considered suicide in 2021, Mm -hmm. a rise of almost 60% from just 10 years ago. A record level of girls said they feel sad or hopeless. Almost 15% of girls say they've been raped the highest ever percentage since the CDC began tracking, and 13% of teen girls have reported attempting suicide in the past year. Okay, it's shocking. And 7% of boys. Um, Girls had a higher rate of drug and alcohol abuse, which surprised me also, Mm -hmm. faced higher levels of cyberbullying, which does not surprise me. And here's the other part. Queer students were much likely, more likely to face violence than others, with a horrifying 22% saying they'd attempted Attempted, not mm-hmm. thought about, attempted suicide in the past year. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that is just, those are the facts. Yep. And it really is horrifying. The Trevor Project, um, which is an organization, national organization, that focuses on preventing LGBTQ youth suicides. That's their, that's their, their focus. They did a study in 2020, and they found that, that the level of anxiety, depression, suicidality, attempts, and so on were record numbers, that more than 60% of trans and non-binary kids thought about um, and or attempted suicide in the last year, Um, that kids who had multiple social identities, so kids who were gay and black or kids who were Latina and transgender or any of those combinations where they had multiple social identities, the risk factors doubled and tripled over other kids. So let me ask you, I have a, I have a lot of questions about mm-hmm. this, Robin. And I, I'm going to ask you a, a dumb question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a question that you may not hear asked a lot, but it's asked among people that I know, which is, are there more kids now that are identifying this way? As a matter of actual moreness, or have we as a society changed in a way that does at least on the surface appear more accepting so that more kids that were always like this feel safe to identify like this? I think the latter is probably much more true, that that people in, you know, sometimes there's a lot more acceptance nationally, right? So there, even though there's a huge amount of backlash and there's been almost 300 anti-LGBTQ plus bills proposed or passed in the last year across the country, there's a backlash and there's also um, uh, bastions of support. 
And what we know is that family response is the number one indicator of outcome for LGBT youth. When their families are supportive, in lots of ways, those kids are not at higher risk than other kids. Okay. Um, when their families are rejecting, that puts these kids at high risk for everything from suicide to substance abuse to um, smoking cigarettes to running away, homelessness, sexual violence. But I think one of the most important things about that research is that families don't have to transform themselves to make room for their kids. That you know, you don't have to go from this is an abomination to marching in the, the gay pride parade. <laughs> you just have to go. You have to make incremental steps towards acceptance. And a family's initial response is really their final response. And so we can work with families to help them understand that they have the ability to become ally for, allies for their kids. And that even families who make small amounts of changes – can make can reduce those risk factors dramatically. So, you know, like I work with families a lot and, and say things like, okay, here's a list. Caitlin Ryan is a researcher who did a lot of work on family behaviors, behaviors that increase risks and behaviors that decrease risks. And so we have a list of 100 behaviors that increase risk. So let's look at these behaviors. And which of these would you be willing to give up? <laughs> right? Like, so we could just stop calling them a fag every day. Right. That would reduce. Um, could you let their friends come over? Could you um, even if you're uncomfortable with it, could you let them talk about their lives? Those are small changes that make a huge difference um, in, on the impact on, on kids risk factors. And so I don't think there's more LGBTQ plus people. I think that the Internet has made a huge impact because people are finding themselves in their community much earlier. I also think that the Internet is one of the reasons why there's so many words now, right? That, that back in the day when I was coming out, there were two words, gay, straight. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, they didn't even really, lesbian wasn't even sort of a, a you know, but now. Even gay was it, relatively right, new. Right, even gay was It was relative, homosexual for right, a long time. Exactly. And that as people discovered communities on the internet, they began to nuance their experiences and people find language that just is better. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Robin McAllen, I wanted to circle back to something that we hadn't addressed yet, you were just touched on. And that is the role of families. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about behaviors that can make such a difference in a young person's life. What about parents 
who believe that their children are in an experimental stage, mm-hmm. perhaps, but may not end up as something other than traditional heterosexual. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to address that is to say if it's a phase, it will end. And so, and, and so, what do you do as so, a parent? So, as a parent, are you a parent, by the way? I am. Okay. Yeah. So, so as a parent, I think it's our job to love and support our kids and to give them the tools they need to to thrive, right? And um, and so, here's the the thing that the parents need to understand: nothing you can do to change is going to change the ultimate outcome because orientation and gender identity are inherent to the person. Right. So you that's, can that's, let's just sit with that statement. <laughs> How do you know that to be true? Because the research has become very, very, very clear that even though sexuality and gender can be fluid yeah. for some people. In other words, they can go from a man right. to a woman and back right, right. and whatever. Or, and even even with orientation, it can be fluid. But understand that the feelings that that sexual orientation is about attractions. Right. Okay. It's about feelings. OK. So you can change your behavior. Mm. You can't change your feelings. You mean you can't turn it off like a light switch? Yeah, no. And so what I tell families is, listen. That's a Book of Mormon reference for those who don't know. (laughs) Sorry. What what I tell families is, listen, you can do a couple of different things. One, you can torture your child on the way to their figuring out what they want to be, who they are. Or you can just support their exploration safely. Now, supporting their their exploration safely doesn't mean giving them full reign to do whatever the hell they want. Right, it doesn't mean that you're not a parent. Right, you're still. It a doesn't parent. mean that you would approve of promiscuity altogether. Right, exactly. Because I exactly. raised two kids and I didn't approve of promiscuity, Ex- and they knew that exactly. That it's not like if you just because you have a lesbian or a gay child that you're still not going to let a, a romantic partner sleep over. Okay. Because you're not going to have different rules. I see. But you're going to give them the ability to explore their identity and to figure stuff out. The same thing with gender. You know, there's a lot of myth and and misunderstanding about gender stuff. First of all, there's no medical interventions at all, at all, until at least the start of puberty. Yeah, but that's young. Start of puberty but, could be ten or eleven years right, exactly. old. Exactly, but that's pretty under- young, Robin. It is. It is. But understand that the what they do at the start of puberty is a puberty blocker. Yeah, but that's already a thing. It is a thing. It is a thing. But the research is really clear that the outcomes for kids who had the ability to take a few more years to figure out what adult body they wanted is much better for kids that were than kids who were forced into a puberty that they weren't sure that they wanted. So there are side effects to puberty blockers, but they're minimal. And when you remove the puberty blocker, puberty just happens. So all the puberty blockers do is give the child and their parents a few more years. It's like a timeout. But that's assuming a kid at the age of 8, 9, or 10 is already very uh, obviously yes. identifying with a different gender. Yes. And that is not always the case. Exactly. And if that's not the case, they don't do puberty blockers. <laughs> but you're saying for the kids where it is obvious right. and it is the case, you think that it is the right thing to do? I do. And I think the research is really clear that it's the right thing to do and that the outcomes are so much better for those kids. But understand that it's done on an individual basis. There's not a protocol that says 
here's what you do. There's every single child that's that's going through their gender journey is going to be in an exploration phase. And you can't get puberty blockers without a clinical um, recommendation. You know, you have to have an endocrinologist. Uh, uh, you know, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to happen in order to bring children to that to that point. It's never done on a whim, and it's never done just for the heck of it. Robin McCallum, what do you say to people who say that it's a fad now, that it's just in the media every mm-hmm. single day, people's sexuality has to be their foremost, hi, who are you? It's no more Lisa Wexler. It's Lisa Wexler identified as a blah, a blah, a blah, and a mm-hmm. blah, very often about my most intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. What do you say to the faddishness of mm-hmm. the conversation about being transgender, for example? Right. I think that, that, I think I said once earlier that if it's a phase, it will end, and that because we don't do anything that, that leads to a permanent impact, on a child's body until there's real clarity about what that the kid has been persistent, insistent, and consistent over a period of a long period of time. That there's nothing wrong with letting kids try things on and see what what emerges and who they authentically are. If that's not who they are, then then they won't continue in that way. That I had a kid, um, a, a DCF kid that depending upon who they were talking to and who they um, and who they thought would accept them or not accept them they were trying every time i talked to this child i always recognized their voice they i would always say so um, who am I talking to today? Name and pronoun, baby. <laughs> right? Because, oh, the they thing. Right. Oh, and just the because, they thing. Just because. Yeah, let's, can we talk about the they thing? Mm-hmm. I'm a grammar Nazi a little bit, I admit mm-hmm. this. Right. I have trouble with the they as the singular subject. Right. So somebody lost their phone. No, no, no. I understand it. I understand that somebody lost their phone. I have trouble with the they lost their phone. Right. And. It's an English thing. Right. I hear that. And prior to Elizabethan time, they was a singular pronoun. Right? Well, that I didn't know. Right. So but it's not the language I grew up with. It's not the language that you grew up with. And here's the thing about pronouns. Here's the thing about all of this stuff. Yeah. We don't have to keep up. We just have to keep open. Right? And, um, and so when someone says, this is who I am, you say, okay, thank you for telling me. You know, what's your pronouns? I'm going to try. And then you're going to make mistakes, and it's okay. Well, you say it's okay, but maybe other people get annoyed. Right, right. and they may very well get annoyed. They may very well get annoyed because you might be, you for you, it's the first time you made a mistake, but it might be the 700th time someone made a mistake that day, and yeah. they might overreact. Okay. okay. Right? Um, but understand that that your job is to do the best you can to just accept and respect what another person tells you who they are, right? All right. And Robin, let's go to the phones. We have uh, Evan from Shelton. I almost said Shelton from Evan, but it's Evan <laughs> from Shelton. Hi, Evan. Welcome to the show. You're on the air with Robin McKellen, and we're talking about transgender issues, gay issues, issues of identity and acceptance. Welcome to the show. Um, th- thank you. Um, <laughs> so I'm... Just so you know where I'm coming from, uh, I have two grown kids. I'm going to be 65 in May. Um, I, I have I'm having a real hard time with, with some of the things that just if you're if you're an adult and you want to change your sex, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, God bless you, whatever. But to do this to children, 
Okay, how old do you have to be to smoke? How old do you have to be to buy alcohol? And why is that? Because their minds aren't developed yet? Because they don't know enough not to do those things? What's the uh, legal age here? Well, how to, to, to your host, your guest, how far down the line, how young do you believe in transgendering these kids? How, where, where does it start? The, that's, a, that's a great question, and the answer is nobody's transgendering them <laughs> or transitioning them without the approval of, of themselves and their families. Um, okay, the question is but the question old? is how old? Well, no, Very but there's rarely. another question. This right. is my Lisa lawyer hat going on, which is the approval of themselves and their families. Their families are adults. Mm-hmm. We don't allow children to approve of certain things. They're not presumed to have, as a matter of law, the adult mind to consent to a lot. Mm-hmm. So that is a lot of, I think, what mm-hmm. people are nervous about here. Right. They, nothing is done that creates a permanent, any sort of a permanent impact on a child's body until either they're very late teens or 18. Um, so once they're legally an adult, then they have the, the, the ability to, to choose. In very rare situations where a kid has been, per, you know, very consistently, insistently, um, and persistently identifying with a gender that's different than the sex that they were assigned at birth. They may consider small amounts of cross-gender hormones or other things, and only in the case where making those medical choices are in the child's mental health and best interest. Okay, so it's a mental health standard right, to that, some extent. Right, to a certain extent, exactly, because if it, what it means is that if you don't do it, mm-hmm. Yeah. The kid is at much higher risk for depression, anxiety, suicide, and other, and other things, and that. Oh well, okay. Thank you for that. Um, I do have another question. Sure. Um, why are men who now claim that they're women, you know, whatever, whatever they they want to do with that, why are they allowed to go into women's showers and bathrooms? The bathroom thing, women, I, they use stalls. I get it, but shower rooms. You know, I mean, my daughter is 32 now, but she grew up, um, you know, she she ran all her life, cross-country, track. And when they get done, they go into the shower room. Mm-hmm. And if I found out that there's somebody in there with a penis, okay, in the girl's locker room, in the girl's shower room, what's, what's your stance on that? Because I, I, it, it, it makes me crazy mm-hmm. that, 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 that someone thinks that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what's your, what, yell, just I'm tell sorry, me, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just, uh, this is, this is very, mm-hmm. you have really strong I, feelings I, about it. I really hear it. So what concerns you? What's your worry about? Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, I'm, I grew up female and I grew up in, you know, showers and, and stuff and there's, um, stalls and, um, curtains and all that stuff. Um, what is your fear about having a transgender girl in the bathroom with other girls, with a penis. What? Yeah. What is your fear about having a transgender girl in the bathroom God, with other girls? It, it's it's we we used to arrest people for that for exposing themselves. What makes you think that the transgender girl is going to expose herself? They're walking around naked. They're taking a shower. This is the not the boys' locker room, room honey. <laughs> in What's the girls' that? girls' locker room. My experience in the girls' locker room is that that I've never seen 
um, girls walking around naked. For never. Most of it. Never. That, that, that just doesn't never. happen. And I had a shared bathroom in college on a girl's dorm. Yep. We had a shared bathroom. I never saw anybody naked. Right. That, that it's a different thing in girls. And I will tell you that every trans girl I've ever met would be horrified um, to have anybody have any sighting of their bodies because their body is not who they are. Right. So that the fact that they were assigned male at birth and that they have a penis it has nothing to do with who they are and that they don't want anybody else to read them, to experience them as male. So the other thing I want to say is that the people bring this up all the time about the bathrooms. And the reality is that there's that and all the stories and go onto the Internet, check it out. There's like thousands of stories of of transgender women being assaulted in bathrooms. And there's two stories. By the way, if you're a transgender woman, what does that mean? That means you're a woman who was assigned male at birth. Okay, because I've never understood that, frankly. So if you're a transgender woman, you're a woman who was assigned male at birth. And 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 you think of yourself as a woman. You are a woman. Right. Okay. You're a woman. Okay. You're just assigned male well, at birth. Well, you may not look like a woman, though. No, you may not, but, but people people look wow. lots of different ways. But here's the w- thing. W- one more thing. Yeah. One Go more ahead. thing. Go ahead. Okay. My, my daughter, once again, my daughter. Ran Evan, you got to wrap it up. I got to go to commercial quick. All right. All right. Uh, this, this whole thing with, with these transgender girls running against regular girls, how is that fair? We're gonna, mind, I'm going to ask the, the guest that when we return. Thank you. Yeah, all right, well, all right. That's Thank okay. You. I'm glad that you called. I'm glad you called. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Connecticut Press Club award-winning Lisa Wexler Show. Now on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. And welcome back to the show. We're chatting with Robin McCallan. We're talking about issues of gender identity, transgender, and right before our commercial, Evan from Shelton asked you, Robin, what you thought about sports competition. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think about that? So I think that there's very strong feelings on both sides of that. Martina Navratilova, a very good friend of the gay community Mm -hmm. in general, was blasted when she said, look, biology is biology. I'm sorry. And... And so I, I think that, that we can't resolve that in the 32 seconds that we have. Probably not. <laughs> that. Too bad. So I'm just going to tell you a story. <laughs> um, back when this first started um, with the trans girls wanting to, running, um, I was asked to host a um, uh, conversation among cisgender athletes. Cisgender female. is? Cisgender is girls who are assigned female at birth. So the sex they were assigned at birth matches who they are. Right. Okay. All right. So um, I use the term cisgender because I don't think the word normal is appropriate. Um, okay. Because <laughs> right? okay. normal, we're not normal. We're just really common. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, so I was asked to facilitate normal a Normal is a loaded word. Isn't it? That's why cisgender. That's why they good. use typical in the world of exactly. intellectual disabilities, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. So cisgender um, female athletes. And we did, we debated the thing, and I asked them, you know, what are the pros and cons? The, the, the thing was called, who gets to say she can't play, right? That was the, that was the title of the, the conversation. And they did a whole set of pros and cons. What are the pros and cons of she can play? What are the pros and cons of she can't play? Mm-hmm. And then on the basis of that, what would they do? And one 16-year-old um, young woman phrased it in a way that, that I just thought was brilliant. She said... Honestly, I don't know what's fair, 
But I know this, that if I have to choose between what's fair and what's right, I'm going to go with what's right, and she can play. Well, that, but what's right is a moral, subjective mm-hmm. and that was judgment. For, it is. But it was for her when we looked at all the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Because sports is not just about the titles. Sports is about community. Sports is about, when we're talking about high school and middle school sports, sports is about the connection, the team, the building, the discipline, all of the things that that are part of that. And do we have a right to say that one group of of children does not have the right to participate? Well, it depends what, I think you do have that right if you say that you're starting with certain rules about who, for example, the way you just phrased it so open-ended, then maybe an 11th grader should be able to run against a 5th grader, but we would never say that, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. there are always some rules. There's always going to be some rules, but also understand that even the girls that sued Mm-hmm. Those two young women yeah. beat them over and over again in different running. They didn't. These girls didn't always win. Um, and once the girls start take once trans kids start taking hormones, if they take hormones, and not every kid is going to take hormones because it's not appropriate or they don't. Um, that it narrows out some of the it, the um, the different. Well, here's the other thing about about genetics, right? I am. I used to be five foot one. I'm now four eleven. The Earth is calling. We're me all home. shrinking. Yes, I know. The Earth is calling me home. But if I wanted to play professional women's basketball, you my genetics tell me. <laughs> if that, I want to be a ballerina, I can't do that exactly, either, Robin. Exactly. So genetics genetics vary as much within genders as they do across genders. And even if you know some. Some boys, there's there's some boys who have better. Well, that's always the case, right? So why would we why would we punish the one or two trans kids that that are that want to be able to? Because then why are we making distinctions? Really, all together. That's a great question. Why do we break everything down by? By gender, because we feel that otherwise girls could never win. They could never win a trophy. There would be no such thing as girls' sports if mm-hmm. if girls had to compete with male football players. By and large, with all of the mm-hmm. at a certain level with the excellence. I'm not saying the occasional outstanding mm-hmm. girl football player wouldn't make mm-hmm. it, but by and large, right. they wouldn't make it. Right. We had to have a playing field for girls. Otherwise, look what the world was like when you and I were growing up, Robin. Right. There were no girls' sports. Right, exactly. And I do agree that there needs... Here's the, here's the bottom line. That's why it's a tougher you, conversation. It's, it is, it's a hard conversation. But I believe with my whole heart that a transgender girl is a girl who was assigned male at birth. Yes, you may right? believe that, and that may be mentally the case, but does that necessarily mean that her thighs or biceps or whatever don't give her an advantage on a track? I don't know. I don't know. But some people know. do know, right. and they think, you know, and it's, look, nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings, mm-hmm. but when you're an, a- I mean, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, mm-hmm. but when you're an athlete and you're, and you're out there and you're, and you're competing, I think that but, uh, athletes want to compete on what they think is a relatively level playing field, and maybe mm-hmm. they feel that's an unfair advantage. I right. think that's what it's about. Yeah. One of the girls that was in that conversation said that the fact that, that Andrea and, um, and Terry were running made her a far better athlete. Really? Mm-hmm. Because she had to what? Because she had Do to Do better to compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like having anybody great compete against mm-hmm. you. But what mm-hmm. made them great is what made them great. 
the fact that biologically they had an edge because they were born a little bit differently. I don't know. I don't know. And again, you're always going to be born a little differently, right? Look at the Kenyan runners and the marathons. Why Mm -hmm. do Kenyans always win the marathons? Well, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe genetically they have an edge over somebody else on another part of the planet as a group. Don't know. Don't know. I know. We're not going to solve it. Hard to tease it out, though, isn't it? It is hard to tease it out. And that's because we live in such an intensely gendered society. Well, we do. We do. That's not going away, Robin. Um, I think kids are challenging that and that the the generations that are coming up are saying, y'all made that stuff up in language and we're going to challenge it. They are challenging it in some societies, but America is still America. When you go around the world, not so, not so changed, not so changed. Other other societies and cultures are going to be still have huge backlashes. And, and I'm circling back to these suicides, you know, you and I are having a beautiful conversation where I love what you said, you don't have to, something you just have to be open, right? Right, you don't have to keep up, you just have to keep open. And that's, I believe that. I, I believe that about everything. Mm-hmm. Always be open. But we live in a world where obviously a lot of people are mm-hmm. not presented with open people because mm-hmm. they wouldn't be trying to kill themselves. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So, there's a lot of work to do. Right. And I think I would say my last thing would be, you know, you don't really have to understand. You just have to accept and respect. When someone tells you who they are, just believe them. The world will be such a better place. <laughs> Robin McAllen, that is the last note of this conversation. I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 